0: absolutely love that song, Be Thou My Vision. Man, what a blessing. I have to read the book, though, when I'm singing it. It's hard for me to memorize the structure of that song, but I love that song, and I love to hear it song. It's a great blessing. Please turn in your Bibles with me tonight uh, to the book of Matthew, chapter number 6. Matthew, chapter number 6. Matthew, chapter number 6. A couple of weeks ago, I brought to your attention in the book of Isaiah and out of the book of Romans how that Isaiah described how sinful man is. How sinful man is from the top of his head to the crown of his feet. When he, when he was talking to Israel at that time, he said, you're just like a putrefying sword to me. He said, you're, you are just rotten to the core. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty strong language. And then when Romans chapter 3 comes along, Paul takes up the heathen and describes them and says, there is none righteous. No, not one. And he said that their, their throat is an open sepulcher. And uh, the poison of asp is under their lips. And so I begin to talk to you about the, the human body, the anatomy. The, when I mean the anatomy of sin, I'm talking about how sinful our flesh is, how sinful our our bodies are, and how much we need God to reconcile us and redeem us and regenerate us and renew our minds that He might use our bodies for His honor and for His glory. And without the power of God, that will not happen. We are we are sinful creatures. And tonight I want to talk about another part of our body. I want to speak to you. Last week I spoke, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke to you about the tongue. And there are several gates that God has put in man to the soul. And uh, the ear gate is one of those. The eye gate is one of those. And we want to look here in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 22. Uh, And you you need to understand that uh, like the tongue, the eye can reveal so much about the human body and about the heart of man. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 22, look what Jesus said. He said, the light of the body, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that Darkness. And when he's referring to the light of the body being the eye. The light of the body being the eye. It goes two ways. The eye receives and the eye projects. If I look into your eyes or watch you for a little bit. Your eyes can tell me some things. About you. Do you agree? That you cannot hide sometimes your feelings. Because it comes through. In your eyes. Have you ever looked at someone and said. I can tell you're lying to me. Hmm? Now, unless they're professionals. And they are, they are professional liars. They're, they are. But like the tongue. The eye can reveal so much about us. It affects the heart. <coughs> it's, it's kind of a. A swinging door. Both, and, and, and in other words, what goes in the eye affects the heart. And also what's in the heart can be projected through the eyes. One affects the other, both directions. It's, it's, a, it's an odd part of our body. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that when you used to go to the doctor, the doctor would ask you to stick out your tongue. And he would take a little uh, stick and he'd press on it. and He'd look at it and to kind of look at the color of it. It'd tell so much about your health. And then he usually would pick up some kind of a little object that had a little light beam of a light in it. And then he would open your eyes and he would shine into your eyes. And you probably thought, well, man, listen, I didn't come here because my eyes were hurting. I came here because my stomach was hurting. But he is looking into your eyes because your eyes can reveal so much about your health. As I was studying this, and it was a fascinating study, I got more notes than I could shake a stick at and have more time to preach about concerning the eye. So I had to condense it as much as I could to try to make it as practical practical as I can. But it's concerning our health. The American Academy of Ophthalmology says and that it can reveal if you have an aneurysm in your brain. It can reveal if you have a brain tumor. Your eye can if they look into it. If you have diabetes. If you have heart disease. If you have high blood pressure. If you have lupus. If you have Lyme disease. If you have different toxicities in your body with drugs and alcohol. You know, that's one of the things I can remember about my one of my uncles who used to, Drink moonshine, I mean literally drink moonshine. When he couldn't get it from the bootleggers, he would make some of his own. And when he would drink some of this stuff, if I went up to his house, I could tell he had been drinking just by looking into his eyes. His eyes would be as red as could be. And, And his eyes would be glassy because of what was in his body. And usually a police officer, when he pulls you over, if he's suspected that you're under some kind of influence, he's going to look into your eyes and see what's going on. So it's an amazing thing about about the eyes and what they can reveal. But our hearts also reveal our spiritual condition with the Lord and with others, the eye gate, so critical of a passage into the soul and the spirit and the mind and the heart of an individual. There's some amazing facts about the eyes I'd like to share with you because the Bible says in Psalm 94 verse 9, it is God that formed the eye. And our bodies are just majestically, wonderfully made and fearfully made. Did you know that your eye is the second most complex part of your body? Only to the brain, second only to the brain. Did you know that fingerprints contain 40 unique traits? And usually, officers are looking for fingerprints, right? If something's been stolen. Or to identify you. Maybe to go into a a place of work, they check your fingerprints. But did you know the eye has 256 unique traits that, to you. That are unique to you. That is why so many of these security places are going to the eye in order for someone to pass the gate or to make it into some security places because it's it's almost impossible to duplicate an individual's eye. So if they wanted to steal your your identity to get into a high-profile place, they probably would come and take one of your eyes out so that they could get into the place. Truly, they would do that. Did you know that if just one of our eyes was a digital camera, that it would have 576 megapixels to it? You say, well, what does that mean? I don't understand that. Well, a mega is one million, okay? So, a pixel, that would be 576, basically, million pixels. You say, well, what does that mean? Well... I looked that up and say, okay, if you went and bought a very good quality camera that you wanted to use personally, then it said that if that camera had ten to twenty megapixels, you have bought a high quality camera. But your eye doesn't have ten or twenty; it has two hundred and excuse me, five hundred and seventy six. That's amazing. Our eyes manage 80% of all the information that we take in. You wonder why you go down the highway and there are so many billboards. Amen? Your eye can express so much about you and myself. I'll give you a few descriptions of them. They soften when expressing love. The eye softens when it expresses love. Kindness. And compassion. It hardens in anger and hate and bitterness. It widens in fear and excitement. You watch a child see something that excites it and you watch his or her eyes just open wide open. They narrow when you are suspicious of somebody. Amen? I mean, you, you know what I mean. I don't know about that. They roll in exasperation or sometimes in disrespect. They will glaze out into nowhere when they're bored to death. <laughs> or sometimes just in deep thought. Have you ever been sitting with someone and they're, they, they're in deep thought and you can tell because their eyes are fixed and they're into another world and you've got to say, hey, earth, earth to Roger, earth to Roger. But they also pour forth salty water when they're sad. They weep in sadness and in sorrow. The eyes can flash, they can blaze, they can sparkle, they can twinkle, they can stare, they can glare and they can flirt and be sensual and suggestive. That's how powerful the eyes are. The Bible words for various uses of the eyes, the Bible here refers, Jesus referred to the single eye. Now, he wasn't talking about a Christian being a cyclops. You do understand that, right? But that single eye, it, it, he's, he is comparing that to an evil eye. The single eye is the good eye, the compassionate eye, the loving eye, and the good eye, compared to the evil eye. And that word evil eye is used several times in the book of Proverbs. An evil eye is mentioned several times, and even in the East especially, uh, they still believe in that power of the of the evil eye and how it can cast a spell upon someone if they put that evil eye on you. I don't know about that, but I know this, that when my father put his evil eye on me, it straightened me up, it cast a spell on me and caused me to behave differently immediately. It can be haughty. You know, the Bible describes the lofty eyes. Your your eyes can manifest pride and haughtiness and loftiness about you. The Bible refers to the bountiful eye. The Bible refers to the wanton eye. What is that? The wanton eye, the adulterous eye. We refer to them as bedroom eyes. They're lustful eyes. You can send a strong message with your eyes. Without saying a word, you can send a message. The Bible refers to wandering eyes. It also refers young men to mocking eyes. Those scornful eyes of looking at your mother or father when they have told you to do something and you stare back at them and you glare back at them with and with mocking and scornful eyes. As a matter of fact, the Lord says that he'd send an eagle to pluck it out. That's what he says. Then there is the winking eye. Now there are various interpretations about the winking eye. We know that you can wink and not mean anything by it. That you can be just joking and cutting up and kidding around. We know that. But the Word of God never says anything positive about a winking eye. It talks about the winking eye. How that that winking eye, he that winketh with his eye, causeth sorrow. Did you know that? Causes sorrow. Because usually you're being deceitful. You're talking to someone. They can't see your face. But there's somebody else around that's listening to you and talking to them. And you wink at them because they know you're lying to them. And you're deceiving them. And you can flirt with it by winking. We know the Bible teaches us that as well. But I want to talk to you in a practical sense tonight about the danger of the eye and how it can get us in real trouble. Talking about the eye gate. The Bible says, the psalmist said, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before Mine eyes. And I think it was Jeremiah, wasn't it, in Lamentations, when he said, Mine eye hath affected my heart. Job said, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? There he's referring to looking at women. People can... Look at something too long and before you know it, they are in excessive debt. Do you understand that? They see something, they're no longer satisfied with what they have and it breeds discontentment. And so they purchase something that they really want because they've been looking it over too much. And it breaks down their spirit, as we heard Brother Kevin Byers teach us well about ruling our spirit. But the eye gate, if it gets fed too much, it will break down that gate and that guard that you've put up. You keep looking at something too much. That's why I told the guys, I mean, I appreciate the Lord giving I'm, you know, an older man, and I thank God for my the boat that I have to fish in, and it's about 20 years old. Well, it is 20 years old. I take good care of it. But I do not, on purpose, go to the boat show downtown at the George R. Brown Convention Center. Why would I go down there? If I go down there and look at all those new boats, I come back and I say, that is a piece of trash. <laughs> but when I walk out there, I thank God for it. And I say, man, that's a, that's a beautiful boat. You see what I'm saying, and it, and it all all the only difference was what I saw. Now we had uh, uh, a lady in our church uh, in in Louisiana who uh, had a, um, a really a modest and and a really a nice house I thought, and her and her husband, and uh, they had been living in an apartment. They bought this house and they and for a while they were happy. And then there's a certain area of uh, Franklin, Louisiana, where the wealthy people live and. They went over there and drove around to look at some of those houses and she came back and she was very discontented and whined and complained about the house that she lived in and made her husband feel guilty and like a loser because they could not move into that area of the neighborhood. And it was all because of the eyes and what she saw. And this is a very serious problem. The eye can cause you to get into debt your automobile, your house, your clothing. Holy cow. People can run up excessive debts on credit cards because they're not satisfied with... They, their closets are so full that they that if they hung something in there that was ironed, it would not stay that way because they had to press it in there to get it in there. But they saw something else that they wanted and they... No longer were satisfied with what they have, and so they just run. And, and listen, it's, you can buy whatever you want to, but make sure you can afford it. Right, right. Live within your means. You don't have to be ashamed of the Lord blessing you with whatever you have, but just live within your means. Right. Excessive debt, discontentment, and disregard for Purity. Disregard for purity or your marriage vow begins with unprotected eye gates. Eve, she saw that the tree was pleasant. And she partook because of her pride. She wanted to know more. But her eye gate affected her because of her pride. Achan, because he desired possessions, and Gehazi, because he desired some clothes and some gold. All of these impacted these men and their choices. Now I'm telling you, I can still remember, Brother Tucker, as a, as a boy living on Dyerimple Farm in Amory, Mississippi. And we were poor, but we were happy. And there was a guy that would come by. In a paneled van. And on the side of the van. It said standard coffee company. And he would come through there. And that van would be loaded up. With all kinds of goods. Now, it wasn't just coffee. I mean it was all kinds of stuff. And he would come by. And he would give my mom a catalog. And there would be all kinds of stuff in there. And I promise you. We did not have one penny. To spare. But he would give my mom a credit account, and leave us with a catalog. Well, you know, I'm in like, you know, fourth or fifth grade, and I'm looking, I thought, you know, I don't know, I'm a boy, I don't care, just give me a shirt and a pair of pants, I don't care, but I started looking at them catalogs. Man started looking at how those polo shirts looked so good on those boys, and how it matched their slacks, and their shoes, and I said, man, I stink in my clothing. And you know what it did in a little boy's heart? It made me realize how poor I was and how discontented. I became discontented and ungrateful for what I had just by what I saw. I'll tell you what, the Sears and Roebuck catalog brought a whole lot of discontentment to Americans. When they used to mail them out, some of you kids have no clue what I'm talking about. The Sears and Roebuck catalog. Your eye affects you greatly. Do you understand? I hope and pray that you do. But David, his eye affected him because of his desire for pleasure. Do you realize it only takes a few seconds? It only takes a few minutes for a man or a woman to observe another man or a woman, for it to impact them greatly and break down their barrier and do something they should not do that they will regret for the rest of their days. Seriously, that's how powerful the eye gate is. And how that it works upon us. And so I pray that you'll listen carefully to me tonight. I want you to look over with me in what Jesus said in Matthew 5. Look with me in verse 27. Let's look at how Jesus looked at this and what He thought about it. Okay? Then I'm going to try to give you some practical advice as a pastor. In our culture, our generation, the times in which we live. Not just Bible verses, but some counsel and advice that will help you. Matthew 5 and verse number 27, he said, You have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So he's looking upon this woman and he's longing after this woman. Now look what Jesus said He ought to do. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out. And cast it from thee, for it is is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Verse 30, if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, And not thy whole body should be cast into hell. Would you say that's pretty extreme? Turn with me, if you would, please, to Matthew 18. Let's see what Jesus said about it again. Matthew 18. Matthew 18. Look with me in verse number 7. The Bible says in verse 7, Woe unto the world because of offenses. Matthew 18 verse 7. Matthew 18 verse 7. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense of the cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off. Cast them from thee, it is better for thee to enter into the life, halt or maim, rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. If thine eye offend thee, pluck it out, cast it from thee, it is better for thee to enter into life with one eye, rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. I'm going to say that's pretty, pretty extreme. For Jesus... To tell us to do that what do you think he's trying to say right there do you think that he literally wanted them to take something and pull their eye out of their socket and throw it away let me try to help you with this because i do not want to do anything that will distract or take away from what jesus has said i fear that but i do understand parts of speech and I do understand the reasoning in what Jesus is truly saying here. I believe I do. If you were to take my right eye out, it will not stop me from looking with my left eye. Taking my right eye out is not going to solve my problem. And if you were to take both of my eyes out, my mind is going to remember what I saw and my imagination And my fantasy world is going to kick off, and I'm not able to see anything. Do you understand? Parts of speech, something like hyperboles, idioms. Have you heard of something like this? When you talk about hyperbole, you're talking about an extreme or an exaggerated statement to make a point. You use them all the time without realizing it. You say stuff like, it's raining cats and dogs. Is it? But do I know what you mean? He's as skinny as a toothpick. Is he? I died of embarrassment. Well, you're still talking. My parents are going to kill me when they find out. Well, that may be true. Our car repair cost us an arm and a leg. Really? She was so angry, she was spitting bullets. I'm drowning in work. Why don't you get lost and drop dead? Well, you probably didn't really mean that. Uh, Hopefully. Jesus said... First, cast out the beam out of thine own eye. Now, a beam, that's a pretty big board. That's a beam right up there. That's a beam. So I literally can't can't even get a beam in my eye. But I understand what Jesus is talking about when He says, I'm looking at the splinter in your eye while I'm ignoring the beam that is in mine. I understand that. That I need to judge myself first and more severely than me judging you. So here I think that when you look at this. He is saying when you have a real problem with your eye. And lust. And covetousness. And discontentment. He said you're going to have to take some extreme measures. Where you are weak. If you're going, you say, well, I can't help it. You're not trying to help it. Instead of trying to help it, you are feeding it. Do you understand the seriousness of this? Many marriages, homes, churches, missions, have been greatly disrupted and destroyed because of the lust of the eye. And so we're looking here at the word of God and he says, man, I need, I need you. Jesus said, I need you to, to take this to the extreme and pluck out your eye or cut out your tongue, but that's not what he means literally, I don't think, but he means to protect them prayerfully and carefully and to use them for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Here's some suggestions in our culture. And I say this purposely, having had plenty of time to meditate on this, I mean exactly what I say. It's not off the cuff. We have very naive mothers that underestimate the power of the eye to impact their sons and their daughters. Of what they watch and what they see. We have passive fathers who like for electronics to be their babysitters. We have flirtatious females, who have no regard for their purity, but like the excitement of being chased and looked at and lusted after. Why else would you put so much paint around your eye? If you did not want a male or a man or a boy to look at you in the eye. And I'm not against makeup. But just don't buy your makeup from Sherwin Williams. You understood that sarcasm, didn't you? Okay. There are foolish males who allow too much eye stimulation into their lives and their children's lives, especially when they are adolescents and teenagers. When they are going through puberty, do you wonder why sometimes grown men and women sometimes have wicked and unlawful thoughts when they fill their eyes with images and they wonder why they struggle so much with this? I'm going to encourage you. To do some things, you need to really really, 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 really guard number one, you need to think seriously about giving your your child a cell phone right. Remember, And if you do give them a cell phone, you're going to have to guard it like it was a pit bull that you're not sure of is gentle Because right. 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 there are people out there that know how to reach your child's mind yeah. and heart the eye gate and starts out innocently. I can go online just to buy a part from my boat and there will be images pop up that I just have to disregard and get rid of just trying to buy a part from my boat. Well, these guys and these men and women out there that are predators, they know how to do that with a child, to lure them. You have to watch the cell phone, you say, my kid knows how to handle the cell phone Okay, I'm just warning you. That's all I all I can do is warn you. I'm not your father. I'm not the police. I'm just warning you because I love you. The cell phone especially if it has the ability to get connected to the internet. And don't just turn your kids loose around here. They see they see the uh the uh Wi-Fi password here that we have for missionaries. And they go off in some of these rooms and they take their phones with them. You need to pay attention to what your kids are doing after church. It's not our responsibility to babysit your kids. You say, that's ugly. Well, take it. Just man up and take it. The tablets that they have, the laptops that they have, the internet access that they have with no accountability... And by the way, I'm not talking about just kids here. I'm talking about husbands and wives. I'm going to be honest with you. I worry about a man who will not let his wife. Now listen, ladies. You don't need to act like that you are a detective and always carry about with you a spirit of suspicion. But I am saying, fellas, that you ought to be able and be willing to say, Honey, here it is. Look it over. Look at the history of... Or my computer. There needs to be some accountability. If you're going to protect your eye gate, you're going to have to have some accountability. And ladies, the same thing with your husband. The movies, the video games now have become very, very, what can I say? Uh, Very, very suggestive. And really, it's just mild pornography on some of them. The virtual reality, goggles they have now that can actually ruin a man's life or a teenager's life. There's proof of that. The magazines that are available, nobody hardly buys many magazines nowadays, but in days of old, they're very subtle at what they do. I was reading the testimony of a man... As I was doing some research here, by a preacher by the name of Ken Ramey, he said when he was a teenager, back years and years ago, they came out with a magazine called Sports Illustrated. It used to be one of the most popular sports magazines out there before everything became digital. And I remember in high school, I loved to go to the library and read Sports Illustrated because I loved football and baseball. And so it was always exciting to get one and read it. And so Sports Illustrated... Decided that they would one year decided to come out with what they call a swimsuit issue. And he said he came home and he saw on the front of the page there was the first one that came out with, and it saw on there on the advertisement for these women in swimsuits. And so he picked up his magazine and he was fixing to go off to his room, and when he got there he opened it up and there was about ten pages missing. So he went back to his mom and he said, Mom, he said, What well, what happened to my magazine? She said, uh I took care of it for you, son. Man, that was a good mother. That was a good mother. And so I'm simply saying that you need to pay attention to what your boys and girls are actually watching, listening to, but especially what they're watching, the images that are going into their eyes. And I know some of you are really not going to like this, but it's my goal is to protect you and to watch over you and stand before the judgment seat of Christ and answer to God and say, Lord, I warned them. You have to understand the balance here. I am not opposed to anybody having a swimming pool. If you think so, I will invite you to come and put one in my backyard. I'd love to have one. But I would guard the use of it. I would protect the use of it. The swimming areas requires very much discretion. Years ago, when, when I first came here, over 20 years ago, when my children were just in their teens, there was a school in Humboldt that asked me to come and teach their Bible class. I had worked on their copy machine, and they asked me to begin to teach their, their teens in high school their Bible class. They allowed my kids to go tuition-free. And then some of the other folks here in our church were working there. And some of their kids began to go as well. Well, it was my first year there. And so when it came to the fall and they were fixing to start up the school year, they were going to have what they call a a time when they took all the teens in high school and took them to a camp north of here, past Livingston. And they rented that camp and they had all the teenage boys and girls there. Of course, they had the boys in one, one set of barracks, the girls in another set of barracks, but they were going to be sure that those boys and girls swam together. Now listen, I'm not telling you what to do with your family. I'm not telling you what to do with your children right here. I'm just warning you. Be wise. Use some discretion. That's all. That's all I'm asking you to do. And so I went up to the principal, and I went up to the, whoever was leading the school at that time, and I said, look, I said, the, my kids are not going and the folks from our church, the kids from our church are not going if you do this. If you, if you put them boys and girls, they said, well, we just want them to bond together. And I said, well, I said, uh, not under my watch. I said, it's not going to happen. I said, and I opposed it vehemently. And There was a woman that had a lot of power in that school and it made her very angry. And she made sure that I didn't come back the following year. And they didn't do it. Because I stood up against them, they said, no, we won't do it this year. You said, well, what's wrong with that, Brother Roger? I've been mean, just asking it to use some common sense. That's all. Just some common sense. Not talking about being legalistic. I'm not talking about you like you being granny on the Beverly Hillbillies going swimming. But I am asking you to be wise because of the power of the eye gate. That's all. That's all I'm asking you to do. Several of you have swimming pools. You like to go to the beach. You like to go to the lake. All of that fine. I like to take our boys and and the kids and whatever and we go out to Lake Livingston and let them get in the water and all that. Man, I'm for all that stuff. Let's do it wisely. Do it with some discretion. Let me ask you a question. Would you be honest with me if you haven't already closed up on me? Which I don't think you have. I think most of you understand this. It's that crowd, some of that crowd that's watching out there and the world out there that think we're crazy. That promote fornication. Can you imagine the NFL football season is fixing to kick off in about 10 days. Can you imagine if the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders were to come out on the field and their tops were completely covered to their waist and their skirts were down below their knees and they came out cheering what do you think would happen in the stands what do you think would be the reaction from society And I just want you to think about this. It's amazing to me how that parents and preachers and people go absolutely brain dead when it comes to something called a bathing suit. If it's a bathing suit, make sure it's got some suit to it. I mean, just something modest. You say, yeah, but I just have my I just have my my cousins and my kin folks and my in laws around. Did you know that fornication starts around kin folks? Yeah, right, yeah. Are you that naive? It's an amazing thing to me. Most bathing suits today are nothing but for on a woman. And a man. There's nothing really than just scant underwear. But if you call it underwear, that's, that's not good. But if you magically call the word bathing suit, well, then the man doesn't lust anymore. It's a bathing suit. Gosh, if I'd have just known that. Do you understand how ignorant that really is? I don't think that some of you girls walk through the house in your underwear. So why would you walk around in public in your underwear and call it a bathing suit? I'm just asking. And then would you have your boys run around, would you have your boys run around in here in their tidy whities? But if you call it a bathing suit, whoo man, it's all good. The power of the eye gate. It's the power of the eye gate. It is natural for a boy to look at a girl. It's natural for a girl to look at a boy. It's natural for a man to look at a woman, for a woman to look at a man. It's just sinful to lust after. And do you realize the more flesh you show, the more it affects the eye gate and the heart of man? It's just the way it is. Did you know, you say, well, I don't I don't think, Brother Rogers, you understand what nakedness is. I think I do. I think I even know what the Bible talks about. Did you know that in the Old Testament, I said, there you go, in the Old Testament. Well, did you know the Old Testament does have some definitions of some meanings? Gee whiz. Don't be dumb on purpose. They made sure that those priests those Levites that worked around the temple, when they had to walk up those steps to offer up those sacrifices, that they had linen breeches on that covered up their thighs, he said, lest they see thy nakedness. And I promise you, the higher you go on your thighs, the more stimulating that it is. The more you reveal, the higher you go up on your thighs, the more stimulating it is to the eye gate for lust. If a woman is wearing a skirt down to her knee, certainly, hopefully, you men can control yourselves. But if a woman came up here and it's all the way up to where you can see her cheeks by on her behind, like I've seen shorts around here. Not around here, church, in case you're watching. But in society, it's embarrassing. You go to the post office, you've got to try to find the keyhole to get your mail. Walmart, you, you understand? You say, "Well, brother Roger, you, you're just an old timer and an old geezer. You are naive, and you don't you you underestimate the eye gate, what it does to a man, to a woman, and boy, when pornography was introduced into America, brother, it it hurt America with a wound that it is not recovered from." Hugh Hefner is burning in a lake in hell. But not only that, but his works will follow him. These things can be done decently. The cell phones, the tablets, the laptops. I don't think that they're the issue. It's what you do with them. When David said, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. If it's wicked, do something about it. And by the way, you know what you can do? You can do what David said. He said, Lord, turn my eyes from beholding vanity. Proverbs says, don't look to the right or to the left. Keep your eyes focused. That's that single eye, keeping your eye focused. But just don't make sin so easily accessible. If you or somebody in your family is addicted... To some of these things? Could you at least stop making provision for the flesh? Instead of you gouging out your eye, could you at least unsubscribe to some things? Could you at least unfollow certain groups? Could you at least uninstall something, unplug something, and limit the provocation of men and women? Because of the power of the eye gate, East River promotes modesty here on our campus. And when we are doing something with our children and with our men and women, we ask you to just simply to practice modesty. We can't control you. We don't want to control you. We just ask you not to hurt our young couples. We just ask you, please, don't be a stumbling block to our young boys and our young girls. That's all we're asking. Don't stimulate their eyes and their imagination and the weaknesses that they already have and the impulses that they already want to follow. Just like I'd be very careful to hand a set of keys over to a child until they learn how to control some things. The same thing is true about this subject. As grown men and women, we're responsible to control our own eyes. Do you agree? You are. And so I'm saying that the eye gate is a powerful thing, and the world knows it. And they're coming after us. It only takes a few seconds to get yourself in trouble. Can a man take fire in his bosom and not be burned? Girls, every time you get dressed, you ought to pay attention to what you're putting on. And you say, well, that's his problem. Well, the Lord says, it's also something that I've asked you to do, and that's to consider your dress and be modest. Don't provoke someone. Same thing with you boys. Boys nowadays are trying to wear shorts all the way up to the behinds. We're not interested in seeing your chicken legs that's got very little meat on the bones and no hair on their legs you'll be ashamed of yourself showing some of that stuff now I'm just joking If anybody's got white legs I do that's for sure that's what my wife says anyway she she has to put sunglasses on (laughs) I'm, I'm sorry I hurt your eyes right there with that just in the brain but you know I just make it a habit not to wear shorts that's my choice but if you wear shorts fine just be modest about them fellas That's all. Am I being legalistic? No. Am I being reasonable? Yes. Why? That's a very sinful thing you got right there. But it doesn't have to be sinful. God made that eye to behold the the creation of God. And for you to be able to behold the beauty of a woman legally, lawfully. To behold how handsome he is. Legally and lawfully. You know, I can look at a man's truck and say, you know, that's a beautiful truck without coveting it. And saying, I wish that was mine. Right? I can do that. Don't look at another man's wife and say, I wish she was mine. And quit looking at her. You know, it wouldn't hurt probably once in a while. It, well, we would get in trouble. We'd get in serious trouble if you went over and popped a man's eye just for looking at your wife the wrong way. Amen? But it'd be good for him. Since he's not gouging it out, let us gouge it out. Amen? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Church, I'm, I'm being tender-hearted here about this. I'm not being mean and ugly about this. So you say, Brother Roger, I think you're being too soft. I think you ought to just let her rip Well, let me do it my way. People can receive it if they know you love them and that you're trying to help them. There are people that will visit us. There will be families that try that want to join our church sometimes, and it always comes down, usually, to modesty. That the wife or the girls, the teenage girls or the boys say, "I, I ain't going there. I ain't happy there. Take me somewhere else." It's a fact. That's why when we build this new sanctuary that you don't have to worry about it overflowing until God does something in somebody's heart because there's nothing attractive about for, for a church that's that's principled, that's modest, that preaches the truth that loves God, that tries to practice some holiness and I hope and pray that you understand this the eye gate protected. The eye gate protected. Now, I'm going to go home tonight and and say, Lord, I wish I'd have said this. I wish I'd have said that. I wish I hadn't said this. I wish I hadn't said that. That happens. But my heart is for you. I don't want these boys. I don't want to lose any of these boys because of their eye gate. I don't want to lose any of these girls because of it. I don't want any of these young couples broken up because of it. The eye gate. Let's, how about us lifting up our eyes unto the Lord and unto the hills and whence cometh our help. Let us let our eyes look straight on. There's always going to be something out there in front of you, but you don't have to gaze upon it and you don't have to lust after it. You can turn. You can. You can change the channel or you can shoot the TV or you can do whatever you feel comfortable with, but do what you can to protect your eye gates. Walt Disney knew exactly what he was doing when he was making cartoons and what they're making now, they know exactly what they're doing. They know how to seduce your children through the eye gate. And if it's an animal, it doesn't matter how suggestive or sensual the animal is, you think it's cute. But it's teaching your child how to flirt, etc. You have to be careful. Be very careful. Old little eyes, what you see. Let's stand together, please. In Jesus' name, Father, I pray that this church family would receive what has been said in a spirit of meekness. Lord, I pray they would contemplate and they would think seriously about what's going on inside their own private life, inside their homes. And I pray that fathers would not be passive, that mothers would not be naive, that teenagers would not be rebellious, Lord, we pray that you would help us to build a church that would be pleasing to you, a peculiar people in these last days. In Jesus' name, amen.